0: It's it's a difficult decision to make, um, but knowledge is power. So if it's something that they are thinking about, I think the most valuable time that you spend with your lawyer is that initial consultation. And even if you just talk to the lawyer and decide, you know, hey, I'm gonna try to stay in this marriage. I'm gonna try to stay in this relationship. At least you're doing it with knowledge and power. So talk to Talk to an attorney about what your concerns are, what your thoughts are, Um, but you know, you go to bed by yourself every night and you wake up by yourself every morning. So, you know, you're responsible to you and what's gonna make you happy. And so just continue doing some soul searching if anyone is considering uh, taking that next step and a decision will emerge.
1: That's our guest, Jerilyn Lawrence. Jerilyn Lawrence joins Nothing But The Truth, discussing her approach in providing a positive experience to all her clients, especially during the emotional and trying times of divorce. If you're dealing with a divorce, this podcast is for you.
0: Um, It's never an easy step. You know, there's many times I go through a consultation and my client can't even get through it without crying and a lot of tears. And by the end of the case, they're a new person. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're happy, Um, they're maybe happy for the first time in many years. So it's such a personal journey uh, for that particular individual. I've never had the same divorce case twice. I mean, every case stands on its own facts and circumstances. And the decision to end a relationship or divorce is so personal um, and can only be made by that person um, because they're going to have to uh, live with the consequences of that action and be at peace with whatever that decision is
2: i'm bob bianchi at the bianchi law group llc we are a team of former prosecutors who fight the government when they charge our clients with crimes our entire legal team is made up of former prosecutor and my partner dave bruno serve with me in the major crime and fraud units and i'm david
1: bruno in each of the episodes of this podcast bob and i will interview guests who have faced adversity in their personal and professional lives, and find out what mindset they employed to triumph. Now, we seek the truth through real-life encounters and candid conversations with thought-provoking guests ranging from all walks of life. Here, you will find how today's thought leaders in their industries faced immense challenges and adversities with captivating stories ending in personal triumph and ultimate success. All being brought to you on Nothing But The Truth podcast with me, Dave Bruno, and my co-host, Bob Bianchi. Gerilyn Lawrence is president of the New Jersey State Bar Association and immediate past president of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, New Jersey chapter. Gerilyn is also certified by the Academy as a family law arbitrator, as well as a certified trial attorney by the New Jersey Supreme Court as a matrimonial attorney. Gerilyn always says, quote, a great compliment to any attorney is knowing that those who have already used your services recommend you to friends and family, end quote. Gerilyn is also the managing member and founder of Lawrence Law and devotes her litigation practice to matrimonial, divorce and family law and is trained collaborative lawyer, divorce mediator and arbitrator. We began our conversation on encountering clients during the trying times of divorce and taking up the journey with her clients, allowing for them to help plan the next chapter of their lives in the time to come.
0: I really think it's work ethic and that's my that's my mindset. I've prepared for trial with, with both of you um, and I think that's also something that we share Uh, No one is going to outwork us. Uh, We're always going to be the most prepared, I think, when we walk into a courtroom. So I think that's always been my mindset and accepting that, hey, maybe I'm not the smartest in the room, but you're certainly not going to work harder than me. Uh, Put the hours in, put the time in, preparation. Um, You know, my journey through the Bar Association started... You know, very early on, it's the first association I started. I I joined even before my county bar, uh, working in the family law section. And the hard work that I put in there, the volunteerism, um, I had the opportunity to really champion some really good pieces of legislation uh, and work with some colleagues on that. Uh, And that led to me wanting to become president of the Bar Association, that power to effectuate change is infectious to me, being able to identify issues in our profession, and our practice that need to be fixed. Um, So that's really been my mindset is outwork them, uh, be prepared, probably get as much sleep as you and Dave get, which is not very much, but that's okay because you just put the work into to to get done, get what you need done.
2: Yeah, I just want to follow up. You know, I, I just want to talk a little bit about what your practice is about, your area of practice, because... Uh, As a criminal trial attorney, um, I'm I'm akin to saying, it's probably gonna get people upset, but I've always said this, I I would rather represent a guy who ran 12 nuns over on a sidewalk on purpose than to handle a single family court matter. And, and, And the reason I say that is that, you know, I don't know how you guys talk to me about this, You have to listen to things and deal with things that are really emotionally draining. And usually in circumstances, we've actually, you know, worked on cases together because we do the domestic violence piece in some cases where they are just at each other's throats. And to me, this would be very taxing. Talk to me a little bit about how you navigate that.
0: Well, first, I've been divorced. So I know what that feeling is like. I got divorced when my daughter was eight weeks old. So that terror that i had as to you know what was going to happen with her um, i think always keeps me grounded so i know that when i have a client that um, is difficult what's generally driving that is fear so try to address that fear to the extent that i can Um, it's not fun for them to feel out of control um, and a lot of this process, you do lose control. So, if we can identify that what's driving them is, is fear, and I can address that and speak to that, um, I think that's helpful. I also really understand that I'm seeing some of the best people at their worst of times. And if I can help them understand that this is just a blip on their radar. This is just a journey for them and to try to view it as an opportunity uh, to rewrite this next chapter. Uh, you know, Every initial consultation or questionnaire that I send out afterwards, I say, where do you want to be in a year? Put it on paper. Where do you want to be? And then all of our strategic decisions are designed to try to get them there. And if you can focus them on their future and the opportunity that perhaps this change in their life, even if they don't want it. Um, it tries, it generally will refocus them. And those are the hardest cases when somebody is already in the locker room after having run the race and the other person is just tying their shoes, getting ready to run the race emotionally when they're in different places, um, if their marriage is ending or their relationship is ending, those are very challenging cases. Um, but you're just trying to talk to them and, and letting them know that at the end of the day, it's going to be Okay. And while it doesn't feel that way right now, it's gonna take some time, but we work together and figure it out.
2: David, so it's funny, and I'll toss it to you, how so many of our great guests talk about this idea that being down and at your worst, you just take a breath, look to the future, where do you wanna be, and know that it's not gonna always be this way, how powerful a message that is.
1: It's consistent with our practice as well. I mean, the fear, the uncertainty that comes with litigation um, sometimes on your side, it's a divorce with child custody issues, juvenile, et cetera. On our side, it's freedom. It's, it's collateral consequences from charges. And so we're, we're in that space, you know, and, and you made me, you reminded me of something that's a saying. It doesn't apply to everybody, but in criminal, it's basically bad people acting good. And on the family side, it's good people acting bad and that's that's what it is i mean that's what bob said in his initial statement is that when people are fighting over children and belongings at the end of a marriage it is the most emotional time in anybody's life and you're right there you and your whole team do a phenomenal job and and that fear, that uncertainty is something to zero in because that's when you really help people, when you could help them emotionally in getting through that, so I applaud you.
0: Yeah, and you try to focus them on their kids too. Oh, sorry, Dave. Yeah, go ahead, no, you go. No, so if if they have kids, you know, you you try to keep them focused on the kids and focused on trying to build a successful co-parenting relationship and remind them that yes, while we're changing a relationship, And you don't have to be married anymore. You don't have to date that person anymore. But you do have to be a really good co-parent. And that's the challenge now to you, to become the best co-parents that you can be. And if we can get them to focus on that, um, you know, hopefully they see the light and and their kids will appreciate that.
2: Uh, I I just uh, want to, and I think, I I know Dave's thought process for sure. And it's not that bad people do good things. It's it's, what we feel is that there's good people that do a bad thing. Uh, perhaps, or something that has tragic, kind. that's most of the clients we have. Yeah. And it's very difficult when, we always say, when a prosecutor opens up a file, and I'm sure it, it, a lot of this is analogous to your practice, uh, and they only see a bad thing. They see a bad thing that happened, but it's so not representative of who these people are as their their life and the way they've lived their life, and yet the consequences of it can be really dramatic. So you, you brought up on your end uh, the kids. And I'm curious because <clears throat> we've also seen in the cases we've worked together and, um, you know, because we're in domestic violence, we, we, we see what's going on in the matrimonial action, although we want nothing to do with what's going on in the matrimonial action. But a lot of times those kids are used as a cudgel. They're used as a, a bargaining chip and a tool. How, that's got to be really tough for you to, uh, that's where you got to get up, I guess, and be like a fierce lion litigator there.
0: You do, um, if need be you know, the goal is not to have to litigate those kind of issues because the damage to the family, um, it's hard to come back from that. Emotionally, that's hard. Financially, that's hard. So we try to use any alternative dispute resolution process available to us um, to try to reach resolution. But if need be, um, and you have to litigate it, you litigate it. Uh, you know, but if somebody's not protecting their child or not putting their child first, uh, yeah, we, you, need to, you need to take a stand and make sure that the best interests of the children are always being met.
1: You mentioned earlier that you're divorced, and uh, this is your specialty, your, your subject matter expert on this. And there may be some people out there that are listening right now that, that they're contemplating that and they're thinking about that. What advice do you have for people out there that are listening like that?
0: If somebody's considering a divorce or ending a relationship?
1: Yeah, in a bad marriage or contemplating divorce.
0: So, you know, it's it's a difficult decision to make, um, but knowledge is power. So if it's something that they are thinking about, I think the most valuable time that you spend with your lawyer is that initial consultation. And even if you just talk to the lawyer and decide, you know, hey, I'm going to try to stay in this marriage. I'm going to try to stay in this relationship. At least you're doing it with knowledge and power. So talk to talk to an attorney about what your concerns are, what your thoughts are. Um, but you know, you go to bed by yourself every night and you wake up by yourself every morning. So you know, you're responsible to you and what's going to make you happy. And so just continue doing some soul searching. If anyone is considering uh, taking that next step and a decision will emerge as to what's, what's right for you. Um, It's never an easy step. You know, there's many times I go through a consultation and my client can't even get through it without crying and a lot of tears. And by the end of the case, they're a new person. Mm. Uh, They're happy. um, They're Maybe happy for the first time in many years. So it's such a personal journey uh, for that particular individual. I've never had the same divorce case twice. I mean, every case stands on its own facts and circumstances. And the decision to end a relationship or divorce is so personal um, and can only be made by that person um, because they're going to have to uh, live with the consequences of that action. And be at peace with whatever that decision is,
2: yeah, Gerald, I wanted to go uh, kind of pick up on on something you were saying um ab- about how the people can find on the other end of that there's positivity. Um, do you find that with most clients? um or is that a mindset thing, or do they have to be put in that space or or, or do some people I found that some people never get past it. so what what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, that absolutely happens. Unfortunately, that people never get past it. And to me, that's the, the most unfortunate circumstance is those people that always remain stuck in their divorce or the acrimony of the divorce or the child custody battle, because what, if they can't get past it, they're just shutting off the next phase of their life. That anger and bitterness will just permeate them and any future relationship. Um, and it's just hard to build a successful relationship if you can't get over this divorce or the breakup of relationships. So, I absolutely think it's a mindset. Um, I think, you know, they have to understand that this is a temporary situation. They have to practice gratitude and be mm. thankful for any and all blessings that this marriage or relationship brought to them, which is. Usually, and primarily their children, I mean anytime someone says to me, "I wish I didn't marry him or her," uh, and they have kids, and my first thing that I say to them is, "But if you didn't have this relationship, you wouldn't have these kids or you wouldn't have your child and that's a wake up call for them because I think that does alter their mindset and say, "Hey, you know I may be in a bad place, but but for you know my spouse or significant other, I wouldn't have these." the greatest gifts in my life that I have. So it always is a, re, a reframing or, you know, resetting their mindset. Um, when we're speaking about finances, you know, if I can map out for them while, well, yes, there may be a change in what the financial picture looks like, but you know, you're going to have X, Y, and Z and dollars or equitable distribution. You're going to be able to buy that house that you wanted or live at the beach or live on a farm or wherever it is that they want to live and you start mapping out their future for them. I think it does alter their mindset, but it takes work and it takes effort. Sometimes it's easier to just be stuck and be angry and bitter. It takes work to get unstuck.
2: You know, so you speak such a language. That's why I think we've always been very close. When uh, Dave and myself got out from the prosecutor's office, we actually went to San Antonio and got trained by Dr. Brené Brown, who wrote The Gifts of Imperfection and a number of other books called Rising Strong. Um, and we actually were the only two lawyers in a group of mental health professionals, addiction professionals. And they kind of looked at us really odd, like what are two Jersey lawyers doing down here getting trained for a week on this? And, and I explained to them that you have to understand that when people come see us and, and and the same is true with you in your practice area, they're broken, they're afraid, they're scared, um, they've got no one to turn to, and of course we want to get them the professional uh, help that they need, but I want to have a language that speaks to them. And no client comes into our office, Geraldine, that doesn't get the gifts of imperfection or rising strong, one of those two books, depending on how I view the client. Um, And it's so powerful to me that I've had two occasions where people have said to us at the end of the representation when we do our survey like they were really happy about the uh, result they got legally, but moreover that giving them those books in that dark time kept them from committing suicide, which uh, to me is like wow. So the reason I bring this up is you seem to have the same mindset and yet you're the president of the New Jersey State Bar Association, and I think that there's a lot of lawyers out there that see their job limited solely to getting that excellent legal result. And maybe, maybe, you know, I'm just curious to your thoughts, I feel, like I used to say when I was a prosecutor, I feel that there is so much more that we can do that will make a meaningful difference in a person's life by by bringing them into gratitude practices, present moment. Let's map out the future, but not too far in the future. Let's allay your fears. Let's give you knowledge. How? Did, do you know what I mean by that? Like how much of that do you think is important for a lawyer to do?
0: I think it's crucial. I mean, the, one of the main biggest signs in our um, lunch office here, our our lunch room is saying that says people do not remember what you did or said. They remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's one of the most powerful things uh, that I've ever heard. I mean, you know, I, I can think of places where I was, when I was going through a divorce and crying and I would cry so hard, my nose would bleed. I can't physically go to that location anymore because that reminds me of how awful I felt. I I just can't go there. So I tried to impress upon, you know, my colleagues, my team here that so much of what we do is making sure our clients feel heard. Uh, You know, you, I want, you to leave blood on the ice if we're in court or arguing a motion or at trial. I absolutely want you to do that. Uh, and we're going to fight hard. Uh, but what's important is that the client feels like they have an advocate on their side. And to me, that's the most important thing because if they don't feel that way um, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard for them to trust you. It's going to be hard to, to reach them. And I think our colleagues uh, are realizing that, that there's some science to all of this. And I think we're losing um, the gladiator type stereotype that most lawyers think we need to be, and are understanding that there's a time and place for gladiator style. But it's also important to be a consensus builder and to be a collaborator, to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And to me, those are the most successful lawyers.
2: You know, you, what impresses me is that you talk <clears throat> You talk about your team, that Maya Angelou quote that you, you came up with, not, not what you say, not what you do, how you make me feel uh, that counts. And it's so true. It, it, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's funny I, I'm curious about your hiring practices if you can give us a little insight I know that they're probably proprietary and like unbelievable but one of the things we do with the Bianchi low group and they, I, I told David from this from the beginning I did it when I was prosecutor is our first couple of interviews have nothing to do with your skill set I mean we we have a resume we we know the background you know I really don't even look at resumes other than do you have a license how many years have you practiced and where were you a former prosecutor and what units were you in so that'll tell me like really quickly in a snapshot your your legal experience, whether you were good at it or not, I don't know yet, but the first couple of interviews are all about who you are as a person, what is your mindset, will you get along with our team who looks at courage, compassion, and commitment as our core values, uh, because there are a lot of criminal law practitioners that are out there, uh, at least some, I, I think many, who um, don't really relate well uh, to clients, but are excellent lawyers nevertheless. Um, so, what about your hiring practice? Is is that a major component, like who the person is as a person?
0: It's huge, and I have to tell you, I I evolved to that. And you know, when I was on the management committee, when I was at Norris McLaughlin for the first twenty plus years of my career, you know, we always thought you needed to hire the pedigree, hire you know somebody that had the best resume. And I learned quickly that I would rather have an A plus. Person versus an A plus lawyer. You can make a good person be an A plus lawyer, but you can't make a bad person anything. Mm. So to me, that is absolutely my priority. You need to be a good person. Uh, you need to be kind. Uh, you need to be a team player. We don't. Yeah, I try not to speak using the word I. I, I literally ask people to rewrite their letters, rewrite their emails. I can't stand when people are always like, I, 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 I did this in my mind. There's very little in life that you can use the word. I, I think we need to use the word we. And so I want to be surrounded by people that view life as a, we, um, and a team. Um, and so to me, you have to be a, a, a good person. You have to have good values. Um, and anything else and everything else, the sky's the limit from there. You can teach law, yeah. um, but you can't teach somebody to tell the truth, somebody to be loyal, somebody to be ethical. And I don't care if you have straight A's in law school or you know, went to an Ivy League school. I don't care. If you're a jerk, it's hard to make you not be a jerk.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, I, we agree one thousand percent with that philosophy. And something else I'll say, and it's again, no disrespect, is but my, my experience that a lot of times I see resumes. Uh, for kids, a lot of again from the prosecutor's office where they want to come Bianchi low Group now. And one of the things that I will pull out on a resume very quickly is when I see, and I don't know if you're seeing this more and more. I mean, I was working since I was 13. Whether uh, it was lawful at the time or not, I was. Um, and I'm looking at resumes where people have gone all the way through law school and have no work experience or no volunteer experience. And as a lawyer, I believe that common sense, life's experiences relate ability to other people is really important and they come in and it, it, and it shows uh, what are your thoughts on that
0: totally agree i totally agree i think work experience particularly at an early age even if it's interning sh- internships or volunteering shows a work ethic i also really appreciate people who have on their resume extracurricular activities sports mm-hmm. um I, you know to me so many people are successful. Uh, that participated in sports. Uh, the, you know, sports teaches a lot of life lessons. And I think there's other activities that do as well. You don't have to just be sports, but something that it's not centered around you, I think teaches a lot of life skills that translates really well uh, to being a successful lawyer and, a, and just a good human being.
2: All right, Geraldine. not only was that an unbelievable and excellent answer, but Mr. Bruno, who was on an emergent situation, he is so good, he's back already. But unfortunately, we have to close the show. But I know he's got a question he wants to ask you.
1: Yeah, uh, we talked about the loitering of it all and the exceptional practice that you put together. But, you know, there's also this networking piece to Geraldine Lawrence, which I have seen for so many years. And it's not just networking. It's that you're kind to everybody. Everybody really likes Geraldine Lawrence. So, Geraldine, talk about that mentality a little bit, about that networking and and the way that you know you treat everybody.
0: It's funny. I don't look at it so much as networking. I, you know, I look at it as relationship building. You know, I was always that person in class that was always labeled the social butterfly. Every progress report came home that I talked too much. Um, and I probably do. So I just, I just like being around people. I I have fun. That's my motto: is really work hard, play hard. That's always been. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I guess it ultimately ends up being networking, but it's more like I relationship building. I I just want to build relationships with people. I want to know about their kids and their family and their spouses and. Um, so to me, that's that's what it's about, really nurturing relationships um, and building a village, because this is a very hard practice. Every day is hard. Every day is a grind. And I rely very much on my village uh, to get me through the good and bad days. And to me, those are my happiest days is when I'm surrounded by you know, those who I'm closest with and have the best relationships with.
2: Well, Gerilyn, I can tell you, and I know that Dave uh, shares the same thoughts. We are proud uh, and comforted that you are our leader in the New Jersey State Bar Association. And for everything that you're doing, you're amazing. And where can people find you, Gerilyn?
0: So my office is in Watchung. It's on Mountain Boulevard, or my, no- my phone number is 908-645-1000 or lawlawfirm.com.
2: All right, so there we go, Gerilyn Lawrence, this is WMTR Radio's Nothing But The Truth every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Dave, the podcast drops when? Wednesday. So every Wednesday we drop the podcast
1: as well as the video. This is being videotaped as we speak. Hello, Geraldyn. And it's on nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts, and the landing page has it all. So... Thanks again, Gerilyn. We appreciate you and we appreciate your time here on Nothing But The Truth.
0: Thanks, guys. This was great. Thanks for having me.
1: We'd like to thank Gerilyn Lawrence for her insights and integrity in her space of family law. Gerilyn enlightens us in a profound way when dealing and explaining her approach in challenging cases when she said, quote, we're just trying to talk with them and letting them know that at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. And while it does not feel that way now, it's going to take some time, but we will work together and figure it out." End quote. You've been listening to Nothing But The Truth Podcast with me, David Bruno, and my partner and host, Bob Bianchi. We are two former prosecutors and media personalities. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and share this podcast to anyone that you know would benefit from these stories of rising from adversity and thriving for ultimate success. For more information on this interview with Geraldine Lawrence, see the show notes of this episode in your podcast app, or visit nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com for more information and all the episodes in one place.